Hey, what is up, ISM family? On Friday on the ISM show, we had the incredible opportunity to interview Pastor Micah. Now, a lot of you remembered Pastor Micah Mack from Momentum. He was one of our keynote speakers, and he did just an absolutely incredible job. Uh, well, we were able to sit down with him and interview him last week for the ISM show. Uh, obviously, when we do the ISM show, we can't put these full interviews on because the show would be way too long. Uh, so what we do is we create separate content for you to enjoy. So we hope that you uh, listen to this entire interview with Pastor Micah. It was absolutely incredible. Go ahead and enjoy it. Hey, what is up, everybody? And uh, we are super excited because we have got the honor and the privilege of having the incredible Pastor Micah with us. Uh, a lot of you guys know him from Momentum. Uh, he was he was one of our featured speakers there, and uh, you, you, students of, of Illinois Student Ministries, you guys just fell in love with him. And uh, Micah, we're just so excited to have you on the ISM show. Um, so we haven't really seen you. I mean, I know a lot of our students follow you on Instagram, and they're seeing some of the stuff going on on social media, but like... Really, it's been, we, we, we haven't heard from you thoroughly since, since Momentum, so a lot's happened since then, <laughs> to say the least. Um, how are you and Stephanie doing? How are you and the kids doing? Yeah, thanks for asking, Chris, and thank you so much uh, to you and Christina, and what you guys are doing for Illinois is incredible, and so it's just fun to be able to hang out with you again, and uh, Momentum was amazing. Literally, there was a shift in my heart at momentum that when I left momentum, I was like, man, like the hunger that's there, the hunger that's in the students. It just, it did something in my heart personally after being momentum with you guys. But to answer your question about how we're doing and what's going on with us, uh, for those who don't know, we travel full time on the road. And as you know, um, everything on the road got stopped. Uh, everything came to a halt. Therefore, all of our in-person speaking engagements all stopped. A lot of our ministry shifted online, but crazy, um, just before Corona hit, um, I tore my patella tendon because I dislocated my knee and I had to have major knee surgery. And so literally I had my major knee surgery a week before they shut everything down, uh, including uh, non-essential surgeries. And so the timing of injury kind of put me on my back to recover during this whole downtime of COVID. I'm almost finished with my first book that I wrote during COVID um, for our ministry, wow. something that God's put on my heart. And then my wife and I and our kids, um, I think my kids think that I am a full-time stay-at-home dad, though. <laughs> uh, I think they think that daddy's home all the time this is amazing yes <laughs> and it was it was it was really tough though because i'm this wild crazy dad who loves to throw his kids in the air wrestle them but i can't do that because my knee is down so it's been a weird time at home because they're like crazy dad isn't crazy anymore he's on his back saying how with his knee so let's terrorize mom let's go after yes. mom and so my wife, God bless her soul, as she has literally had to take care of two kids under the age of three and me who couldn't move anything. And so, um, but yeah, man, we've been enjoying our time at home. And I just keep trying to tell myself that what other time in history are we going to have uh, extended stay at home like this? I'm trying to view it through the right lens to yeah. keep my mentality in the right 
frame of mind and, and have a good attitude about it. So Yeah, so and I love what you're saying there. You have to view this season through the right lens because we know that God can take seasons like this and he can upgrade us. You know, there, there there's 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 never a season of waste in the kingdom of God. And so, Michael, what would you tell our students uh, in this season? Like, what's something that's been burning on your heart uh, for, you know, students, not just across the nation, but something that maybe you can tell to our students specifically in Illinois? Uh, and, I mean, I know that a lot of our students uh, feel like there's been so much that's been taken away from them. And, and, and that's true to a certain degree. There has been a lot that's been taken away from them, especially if our, you're one of our seniors, you know. And so looking at this season with the right perspective and through the correct lens is, is, a, is, is a small shift for some, but it's a bigger shift for, for others. So can you just encourage our students real quick with maybe just a, a timely word for them? Just encourage them. If I could give you one word right now, I would leave you with the word focus. And the reason why I say focus is if you look at the very beginning, what did the enemy try to do to destroy the plan of God? It was to disrupt the focus of his creation. And did God really say that? He attempted to get man to question one what God said, but ultimately to shift their focus away from what God wanted. And if you're anything like me, you have felt an internal spiritual battle going on for my focus or maybe for your focus and what you focus on. And uh, man, it's been overwhelming for me because so much of what I'm watching and witnessing in society today, uh, it can really mess with your focus. It can mess with what you're putting your mind on, what you're putting your eyes on. So I want to direct your attention to where you actually see this word focus in scripture. You see the apostle Paul talk about how he built this amazing resume of ministry, how he had all the accolades, how he was well known, well taught, well thought out. And then he says, all of it is complete rubbish. In other words, dung. And he says, I do this one thing. In other words, I put my focus on one thing, forgetting the past, and looking ahead to Christ Jesus and what's in Christ. Two times in the book of Philippians chapter three, Paul mentions this word focus. And he's drawing the readers and the listeners of Philippi to put their focus on knowing Christ, to know Christ, to know him. And ultimately, um, the, the best encouragement I can give to you is the best thing you can possibly do is to do what the apostle Paul commanded and charged us to do is focus on Jesus, focus on knowing him more. Um, You know, right now it can be easy uh, because we're hard pressed in our society and our culture. When we are hard pressed, things start to come out of who you are. Your character is revealed. There's different uh, things that are, being um, shook and shaken in your life and uh you know we see time and time again when the word talks about how our eyes being on christ our focus being on christ but now we have something to anchor our life to now we have something to pull us through to build us to build character to build perseverance and um and so that would be my that would be my word focus focus on jesus eyes on him attention on him heart towards him um, designating your your heart and your life to him, and um, he'll grow beautiful things inside of you. 
and what it's going to look like, the end goal is going to look like Jesus. And it's really beautiful. Yeah, that's so good, Pastor Micah. And, you know, I really liked what you talked about uh, when you were saying that, you know, we're being hard pressed, but that, that, that pressure um, has the ability to transform us. We know that pressure can transform things and that when we are being hard pressed, God can use that season to transform us. And one of the things that I think our students need to recognize is that when you are in a season of pressure, don't try and bail out of it. Don't try and vent that pressure. Don't try and come out from underneath that pressure, but walk with Christ in the midst of that pressure because that pressure, even though you are being hard-pressed on every single side, it can have the ability to transform you. Um, and that's so good. Man, I, I, I absolutely love that, and I think our students need to hear that. Um, you're in Minneapolis, right? And I, and I see in the background you, you might even be at Zoe Church uh, right now. That's your home church, correct, Pastor? Uh, and so, uh, you know, um, coronavirus obviously um, is not the only thing uh, that has been happening in 2020. It, it, you know, um, we've been dealing with this this last couple of weeks, um, just this this issue that happened with George Floyd. And this is not something that I, I want to correct myself. This is not something that we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. This is something that we've been dealing with for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And it seems like it is coming to a head and, and, and it needs to right? These are conversations that need to be had, but you were in Minneapolis, so you're like at, at ground zero with the most recent uh, situation. Can you talk to the students about what that was like, what you saw, and what we need to focus on in this season uh, right now from kind of your experiences that you've been walking in in Minneapolis in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so great question. I took a big breath because um, that's how it feels here right now. Yeah. Uh, literally when it all went down, I just couldn't help but think this is my home. This yeah. is my backyard. This is my home. And uh, the very first thing I did was I went down to the very site where George Floyd was killed. Mm -hmm. And they were hosting the very first ever protest at 5 p.m. And I couldn't shake in my heart, in my spirit. I felt like God say, um, go down there get down there. And I called my wife. I said, Steph, can I go to the, the spot where George Floyd was killed? And she said, if you feel you need to go, go. So I went, I got down there at two 30, the protest started at five. And, um, I went down there because, um, I wanted to learn. Yeah. I wanted to be available to listen, to pastor people, to hug people, uh, to cry with people, to pray for people. And uh, what I can't shake for my own life right now, and maybe if you're a leader listening to this, a youth pastor or pastor listening to this, um, I have personally felt a conviction that love, real biblical love, is actually uncomfortable. Yeah. It puts you in places that disrupts your comfort. Yeah. And if you're comfortable loving people i wonder if you're loving the right people mm. and the reason why i say that is because i feel out of place um attempting to love only the way i know how for someone who feels 
um, as though an injustice has been to them or people of color. And it puts me in a very uncomfortable spot for multiple reasons. One, I don't know the reaction I'll receive. I don't know if I'll be hated for being down there. Um, I don't know um, what to say. I don't know how to articulate it. I don't have words to give. But love, real biblical love, it looks a lot like presence, being present, uh, present in the moment. And the racial injustices that we face now is not a new conversation, but was a conversation that existed when Jesus walked the earth. There was race right. issues between the Jews and the Samaritans. And what do you see Jesus do? Constantly um, putting the Jewish mindsets in an uncomfortable position by talking about who our neighbor is, yep. by talking to a Samaritan woman, and the disciples show up after they go and buy food. Jesus constantly was in uncomfortable scenarios and situations. Why? Because he loved people. And where we are right now, and to answer your question specifically in Minneapolis, the number one thing I sensed was real trauma and real pain. Real pain and real trauma. I'm talking heart level um, pain. And you saw the pain manifest. You saw the hurt manifest. Um, and the most overwhelming night for me personally, uh, I have a police scanner. So I can listen to every police call. I can listen to everything the officers are saying. And when I heard the officers say, we are outnumbered, and the town being overrun, buildings being lit on fire, it all of a sudden put me smack dab in the middle and just looking at saying, my city is being burned down. Yeah. Injustice is sensed, felt, executed. Um, pain is coming out on all ends. And, uh, and it was hard to be a part of in that week. It was hard to listen to the cries of help. I'm talking, there were officers that couldn't respond to burglaries, that couldn't respond to other things that were happening in homes because what was going on in our city was too much that the officers were overwhelmed, outnumbered, and it was unlike anything I've ever seen in my history of, of being here in Minneapolis. But now you see that this has extended across America and extended across the world. And if I could give one piece of advice with what I've learned in my short time here in Minneapolis is before you speak, listen. Yeah, amen. Before you give your thoughts, listen. I am convinced if every person who is white would try to um, humble themselves instead of giving input, um, take a moment to call a person of color and just say, hey, I really want to learn. Can I be a friend? Can I buy you coffee? Can I buy you dinner? I, I just want to hear your story. I want to hear what's going on in your heart, in your life. The number one takeaway I received nine months ago from going to Israel with a bunch of pastors from across America who are people of color, they said, Micah, when you see someone die in the news due to a race-related event, the first thing you need to do is you need to call, text, check in on your friends of color and just say, I'm hurting with you. I'm grieving with you. I'll come over. I'll cry with you. Talk to me. How are you doing? Because what it does is it shows that you see. It shows that you see it. You see the injustice happening. And then 
when someone feels safe enough, then a conversation can happen. And so it's one of the first things I do is just say, hey, call, call my friends, uh, text them, say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm praying for you. And so there's so much uh, forward progression that lies ahead of us. But um, the pain is very real here in Minneapolis. And um, it's one of the most interesting times to navigate as a leader who loves Jesus with all of his heart, uh, but dealing with tensions of pain on all sides and confusion. And the number one thing I can say is be careful of division and do what James says, be slow to speak, quick to listen. The yeah. word actually gives us the solution for where we are right now. We got to filter our experience through the word of God. We got to depend on the Holy Spirit. And then we got to put each other first rather than our differences. Amen. That's so good. That's so good, Pastor Micah. You know, um, I heard it said uh, that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. And if you don't have the experiences that our black brothers and sisters have, and I'm sorry, all you are left with is, is an opinion about their experiences. And you are not, they are not at your mercy. They're not yes. at the mercy of your opinion. They're not at the mercy of your politics. They're not at the mercy of your worldview. And they're not at the mercy of your privilege. Uh, so I think one of the things that we need to really be conscientious of in this season is if all you have is an opinion, then I need you to be quiet and listen to people that have an experience. Call your friends. I love what you said there. It's time to call your friends who are people of color and just say, can you talk to me about what you've been feeling these last couple of weeks? And can you talk to me about some of the experiences that you have walked through? And I promise you, your eyes will be open. And when your eyes are open to their experiences, that will then shape and give wisdom to some of the opinions that you carry. It will yeah. give a good and a godly weight in a lot of situations to the opinion that you have. And this all happens because you are slow to speak, you are quick to listen, and you are following that biblical formula. Micah, that is such uh, just great advice. And, and thank you for just kind of allowing us to come into your world for a little bit. I know you being in Minneapolis, um, over the past couple of weeks, you've just seen a lot, you've felt a lot, you've heard a lot, you've experienced a lot, and you've had a lot of conversation. So I did want to just touch on that really, really quickly. Um, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is this. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about experiences that people have um, in, in the world. And, and I know uh, one of the things that we've been talking about, even since Momentum, um, is, is some of the experience that people walk in in different parts of the world, you know, um, We've been we've been so focused on coronavirus and the death toll that that can be that can be had. Uh, we're watching like you know the different statistics: uh, who, who's sick, who's in the hospital, what counties have how many cases of coronavirus, who's dying from the coronavirus, and we've we've been in this almost like life preservation mode, right? Like stay inside, stay at home, and we've been in life preserving mode. And I think it's time for the church to shift back into life-giving mode. And we have a really incredible opportunity at the end of June uh, to shift from life-preserving mode and back into 
uh, life giving mode. And that is going to be through this unconventional give day that's going to be happening in June on, on June 30th. Uh, students, one of the here's a statistic that, you know, I brought up on uh, uh, on the show a couple weeks ago is, you know, we're seeing the coronavirus taking life every single day and praise God that, that those numbers are going down. But but one of the statistics that isn't going down uh, on the other side of the world is, is the fact that 2,000 children every single day are dying because they don't have access to clean drinking water. That, that there are children and that there are people that live in different parts of the world whose bodies are literally infested uh, with parasites and worms because the, the drinking water that they have is, is unclean. Uh, that is a level of injustice that we need to take into account as well. And it's something that we can do something about, uh, not just on June 30th. Uh, we should be thinking about that all of the time and how we can spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Pastor, can you talk about what's happening on June 30th and how kids can be involved in shifting from life-preserving mode in, and getting into life-giving mode? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. Um, one, I think, uh, you know, whenever a crisis hits, our first thought is to think of um, how do I make it through? And we immediately lose all sight of anybody else. We become uh, defense mode. Uh, it's just a natural mechanism that kicks in for humanity. Um, however, the gospel of Jesus Christ counteracts that thinking that says, how can I preserve my life versus how can I give my life away? Yep. The gospel demands a life given away, not preserved. In fact, the very fact that you have breath in your lungs is because of the grace and preservation of Christ in you. That's right. So just remember, before you preserve you, God actually is preserving you, knows the number of days on your life, knows okay. how long you have breath in your lungs, so you can either make your life be about you and preserving you till you die, even though God knows it already, or else you can take the breath in your lungs that he's given you and saying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done, your kingdom here on this earth. And so to counteract life preservation, it all starts with the gospel. Yeah. It all starts with remembering that you are deserving of wrath. You are deserving of death. But in God's great mercy, in his kindness, in his slow to anger, in his abundance of love, he loved you. He chose you. And that, that is the compelling factor. You know, in the pandemic, uh, it's easy to see obstacles and miss out on the opportunities. And I love when Paul's in chains 24-7 in, in, uh, in, in Rome. He's, he's under house arrest 24-7. He's linked to a guard 24 hours a day. Guards come in at six-hour intervals, and Paul is in prison, and the palace guards are the ones that are watching him. And Philippians 1, he's writing to the uh, Philippi, the community of Philippi, and he's saying this, guys, I know you probably think I'm discouraged. I know you think maybe the ministry stopped because I'm in chains, but guys, the gospel is actually advancing. You guys, what might seem as obstacles God's actually using as opportunities. What you see as hardship, as a pandemic, God's actually using it to advance the gospel for his glory. Like guys, could it be possible that I was put in prison in chains, chained to a Roman guard 24 seven, so that the gospel might be preached 
to palace guards who are chained to me every day so that the influencers in the palace might know the gospel. And at the end of Philippians 4, you see that greetings from Caesar's household. Y'all, God used prison to bring the gospel to the palace. And God wants to use, no matter what we face, whether it's a pandemic or other crises in our land, not as obstacles, but as opportunities to advance the gospel. Yep. And you want to know what I think is crazy? Is when you look at when Speed the Light was started, it was starting during the middle of World War II in 1944. And in 1944, there was a huge shift from 1943 to 1944. Do you realize this? In total missions giving, there was a 45% increase in giving from 1943 to 1944 after the youth of America were roped in to do something called Speed the Light. It was the greatest single jump of missions giving ever since 1919, 1918, and 1917. Wow. Ever since 1944, we have not seen a larger giving in missions giving from one year to the next since that time in history. I'm saying that to say this. God used the youth of America to spark a missions movement to see the trajectory of missions giving like never before. And if God could start giving to missions in the middle of World War II where money was tight and Mine. money was used for aircraft carriers to bring destruction then why can't God use students in America in the middle of a pandemic that like Paul can say, you guys, the gospel's advancing. You guys, we're not supposed to be giving money to missions. You guys, we're supposed to be holding on to our resources. You're not going to believe it. Missions is moving forward. The gospel is being advanced. People are coming to know Christ. That is the mindset we get to have as followers yep. of Jesus. That is the mindset that we get to live from, the perspective, the perspective of God's gospel advancing. And that's what we get to be a part of on June 30th, where across America, every student, every youth pastor, senior pastor has the opportunity to join something that's the greatest unifier known to man, the gospel, which transcends intellect and goes to the heart and transforms the heart of man. This is the investment that's amazing. And I'll just end with this last thought. This is crazy. In 1929 to 1933, there was the Great Depression in America. When you look at missions giving from 1929 to 1933, there was a 9% hit. We lost out on 9% of missions dollars from that time frame. However, the 12 years that followed the Great Depression from 1933 to 1945, this is what's crazy. This is going to blow your mind. There was a 184% increase in missions wow. giving from 1933 to 1945. You want to know why? Because when a Great Depression hits a country, the core of humanity is shaken on where they invest money. What's the greatest investment you can give to? It surely isn't the stock market. Surely isn't retirement. Take a look at how that's doing. You'll see great losses. People got smart and they said, you know what? If we're going to invest money, let's invest it in the kingdom where it will never take a void. It will never take a hit. Let's invest it to things that really matter. Because what we've realized is money, it comes and it goes. But what matters is souls being found. 
let's learn from history and let's be a part of one of the greatest missions movements that because of a pandemic doesn't stop our mission's heartbeat, but continues on and excels forward. There are great days ahead when it comes to missions and missions giving and God causes all things to work for the good of those who love them and called according to his purposes, y'all. Boom. Amen. <laughs> Mike, I love it. I love it. So students, you heard it. Listen, on June 30th, uh, Illinois is going to be joining with the rest of the nation. And listen, here's my challenge. I want Illinois to be leading the way. I want the most students to be locking in to this missions initiative. I really, really want us to shift from life preservation mode to life giving mode. This is not about building our kingdom. This is about building the kingdom of God. So I want you to be thinking even now, what are some things that I can be doing? How can I use my talents and my gifts and my abilities to further the gospel of Jesus Christ, to build God's kingdom, not my own kingdom, but to build God's kingdom, not something that's temporary, but something that's eternal. I want you to use those talents. I want you to use those gifts. I want you to use those abilities. I want you to be calling people up. I want you to bring notice that you are going to really be focusing on bringing the gospel uh, to other parts of the world so that life can be given. Students, on June 30th, we are going to be providing a link so that you can give. Uh, You will get credit. Your church will get credit. Our district will get credit. And we are believing uh, from just the incredible leadership of Eric Hoffman that we can see $10 million come in across the nation in in one day. And I'm telling you that if all of the students across the assemblies of God are leading the way and and talking about this, and and, uh, because charity isn't dead, people are looking to give this something. People are looking for a purpose right now. Give it to them, right? Uh, So I, I believe this can happen. Like with all of my heart, I really, really believe that this can happen. So we're gonna ask you to post what you've done to challenge three of your friends on June 30th to do the same thing. And then hopefully on that day, we can see just uh, a ton of money coming in uh, so that we can advance the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Micah, it was a pleasure having you on the ISM show. Uh, Man, just a great interview. Thank you so much for your insight and for your wisdom. Thank you for your leadership. Just know that the uh, students of Illinois love you a whole ton, my friend. Man, praise God. Love you guys and uh, blessings to you and the fam, bro. Well, we're praying We're praying for you and Stephanie Hardcore, man. And I uh, just want to let you know that uh, uh, if the NFL does resume, uh, I, I pray that the Bears absolutely and utterly destroy the Minnesota Vikings. Um, there will be no social distancing between Khalil Mack and uh, whatever broke quarterback you guys have back there, all right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about quarterbacks, why don't we? Yeah, okay, yeah, I know. Mitch Trubisky's horrible. With that, uh, we are going to transition. <laughs> love you, love you, man, so much. Thank you so much, all right? Hey, I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Pastor Micah. It was, uh, it was solid. And, you know, we have a lot of uh, wisdom uh, that came from him that I hope we can all look at and apply to our lives Hey, it was a real pleasure having you. We hope you join us this Friday uh, for the ISM show. It will be premiering at its regular time, 7 o'clock. Thanks so much.